This is Chip from The Real Dirt. Once again, you've reached another fabulous episode of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Uh, you know, I've been uh, a little slack lately, guys. I want to start the episode off by just, uh, oh man, kind of apologizing and also uh, just a little, you know, we're all in this COVID scenario together. Um, and it's just kind of been a little difficult to put out some podcasts. Uh, we tried to do some Zoom recordings, but man, if you guys heard those or saw those, they just sound awful. Um, and you know, I really like the sound to sound incredible. Uh, we put a lot of work into the post-production and into the overall production of the show in the past. And wow, man, the, the Zoom connection just didn't quite work for me. It made it really easy to do it. But uh, uh, we're going to try to get some more audio episodes going here and maybe change a little format uh, a bit. You know, it's hard. Uh, previously, we've had like uh, the past three years on the Real Dirt podcast. Um, if you're just new to the podcast, uh, go check out some of our older episodes uh, on iTunes or Spotify, the Real Dirt podcast. Please subscribe. Um, you can get some old material that's uh, new to you. Um, but, you know, we spent an incredible amount of time doing production and, and really learning how to make a great quality podcast. And when uh, COVID hit, you know, we went to Zoom recordings partially because we uh, didn't want to uh, uh, or we couldn't be, you know, close enough with people um you know, to make a to make a podcast. Now, regardless if you think this is an epidemic, a pandemic, fake or real, uh, you know, I, I'm a pilot, private pilot, and the first thing that I really, really learned in aviation is, you know, if you take chances, odds are you're gonna die. So aviation is always about being uh, perfect and correct, and even though there is a feel to it, there's a, a considerable amount of math. And an exact and preciseness to everything um, with aviation. and But the big thing is don't take chances. Um, and, you know, I've put that in my life and my business, and that's what we decided to do with COVID, too. And we thought we could just have radio, uh, just phone interviews or, or Zoom interviews. And, man, it just hasn't really worked out. So I'm sorry. I, I had anticipated putting out uh, about 25 episodes by now. Um, 50 episodes by now, and I think we got 12 or 13 in the can, so we pretty much failed on that one. Uh, but, you know, uh, we got wanted to crank it up today and have a little porch session on Sunday. Sunday is often a relaxing day for us. As many of you know, we now live in Oklahoma. Uh, previously... Uh, we we lived in Northern California for about 25 years, 20 years, and uh, on and off still. I still spend a, a good amount of time back there. I love the place. Um, and, uh, you know, moved to Colorado and set up some great grow stores, Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate Garden Supply. Um, you know, moved down here to Oklahoma this past year to kind of do the same thing, expand uh, the the grow shops, expand Cultivate Garden Supply, uh, expand distribution of my potting soil, growers cocoa, growers soil, um, and, and Oklahoma's been really, 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 really great for us. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a unique environment. 
And we've learned stuff everywhere we've gone and grown in the country and in the world uh, about cannabis and how it performs. And Oklahoma has its unique set of challenges and advantages. Um, and, you know, we, we're learning every day. I, I was on a Oklahoma medical, medical patient's uh, thread the other day on Facebook, and someone was commenting on maybe all the bad weed is because of all the bad growers. And I, uh, there's a lot of novice and new growers here in Oklahoma. I definitely don't think it's all bad weed, but people are really just learning how to do it. Uh, and they're, they don't really have the, we don't really have the culture here in Oklahoma, uh, the ganja smoking West Coast Colorado culture. It is a little different here. Um, but uh, uh, people will get better at the craft, and they will learn. And honestly, I think Oklahoma is really set to produce some fine quality weed in, in, in a two or three years from now when all of the smaller growers have had a little bit of success and they, they've gotten better and they've started talking to their friends and they've seen better weed and they've sold uh, more medical cannabis in the shops and the shops tell them what they want and... Uh, you know, local genetics start to develop, uh, or, or local cultivars become in demand. Um, when all those things happen, you know, better quality cannabis is going to get here. But you know, the thing about, uh, uh, the thing about cannabis is, um, in anything is when you have multiple people working on the project, you get exponentially better. And in Oklahoma, there's more cultivation licenses than in any place else in the country. And I would bet there's more... I mean, someone could check this fact. If someone knows this fact, let, let's hear it. Uh, but I don't. I'm just going to make it up, okay? I bet that there are more legal cultivation licenses in Oklahoma than in the rest of the country combined. That's right. There's uh, just a few thousand in California, like uh, just a few thousand in Colorado. And those are the, you know, the, the states we think about the most. I don't even think there's 2,000 in Oregon. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a considerable amount of people growing all at once, learning all at once. And, uh, what, man, they're going to get exponentially better as long as the, they drop the grower ego and realize that they can, you know, there's probably someone doing it better than them. They can probably do it better. Uh, the the uh, the exponential learning that's going to happen over all those six, seven thousand commercial growers. And when I say commercial growers here in in Oklahoma, you can have a to light grow and be a commercial grower, you just apply for the license, and um, it's a great um, environment to work that in. So I think it's going to get considerably better uh, and fast. And in a couple of years, wow, man, Oklahoma is going to have some great weed. So, but besides the 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 sheer number of 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 new people to this industry. There are a lot of experienced people like myself that have moved here. And, you know, I've been growing cannabis all my life and only recently gotten back into, uh, uh, the, uh, medical cannabis. Um, 
it's a, it, it is a difficult environment in many aspects. I mean, I'm from Georgia where the humidity is high every single day. You know, there's not a dry day in the year. It's subtropical down there. Uh, it, the humidity is not as bad here as in Georgia. I mean, we, we, we at our farm, we have 50% average humidity frequently. Um, and, uh, 50% humidity, 90 degrees temperature and for outdoors. And, you know, that's a really great environment for ganja plants. They really like that. Uh, you know, yes. So does the mold, the mold and the mildew starts to grow at that 40 to 50%. It's the perfect environment for it, but it's also the perfect environment for cannabis to thrive. And, from my experience, the terpene levels of the outdoor greenhouse cannabis here are far superior than what I've been seeing in Colorado, simply because it's just so dry. It's just so dry. Yes, there are days like today where the humidity is high. It's been raining the past few afternoons, and, and the, the humidity has gotten high at night, 70s. Um you know, the, the state is very diverse, though. And, you know, if you're on the eastern side, east of Oklahoma City, far more water, far more moisture. If you're on the western side of Oklahoma City, far drier, way more high plains. Uh, uh, um, and, you know, right in the middle, you got a lot of rolling hills. And um, hey, there, there's, there's, there's lots of farmland where vegetables are grown and... Um, there's even, you know, some sort of grape and, and olive culture here in Oklahoma too, which are indicator species for cannabis. So, you know, the humidity is not impossible here. And and I'll tell you, if you think humidity is impossible to grow cannabis in, while Florida has quite a large, uh, cannabis, um, industry currently and, uh, you know, they, they have their difficulties, but you know, they're able to do it and it's totally possible. Not only possible, but, you know, honestly, cannabis likes those 40, 50% humidity ranges. Uh, And, and, you know, that's what it is in the coastal areas of Humboldt and Oregon too, or Colorado, California and Oregon is, you know, in the coastal areas, you, you get that perfect 40% humidity. And yeah, it raids is a little bit at night, but that's the kind of the beauty over there is it, real consistent in temperature might only drop a few degrees from the daytime to the nighttime um really makes an incredible incredible cannabis growth Uh, that's y'all those huge 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 plants you see those are west coast plants rarely do you see any other other plants like that in other areas Uh, even though i have seen some large plants in michigan um in that same area and that same you know those same large plants you know the 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 big thing about outdoor cultivation here in Oklahoma is latitude. Like we are so low down here that our light cycle is completely different from what all of our strains are. What these all the strains that we're mostly getting are West Coast strains, either bastardized in Colorado. Hey, don't mean to hurt your feelings. Um, you know, one off in Colorado. Uh, and, you know, Colorado has its own special element too, but, you know, they're almost all indoor. The West Coast has so much outdoor that if strains are developed there, they're often will go outside or greenhouse or light up. 
you know, regardless where, like, the Colorado strains, they they may never see that, and you know, um, or, or may never see it at volume. Wow, man, these strains, you know, most of the clones, most of the seeds have a really different reaction down here than they do up at the 38th to, to 41st degree north. Um, you know, uh, uh, plants grown in, in that latitude, it goes all the way across to like Afghanistan and India. We were all on that, ride that same ridge. And the light cycle is just kind of perfect for cannabis in that in that region, right? You can uh, plant it. Uh, there's long enough light in the early spring in order to uh, get the plant into vegetative growth. The summer uh, has the, has the right amount of light, also to keep it in veg until you know August, mid August. And uh, then it in, it'll initiate eight flower, initiate flower. Now the interesting thing, this is all like in thirty minutes, forty five minutes of of darkness that's going on, because that's how cannabis flowers is darkness. So with just you know a, a few minutes more light, a few minutes later, or a few minutes more light, a few minutes earlier, it really does affect you know the the plants that we're growing, the genetic stock we have which I think is a huge opportunity for Oklahoma. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong with the, you know, mostly the plants aren't growing in traditional vegging and flowering manners that we've seen, you know, at higher latitudes. Uh, even, even in Colorado, the plants act really similar. They're, they're a little earlier. And here's what I mean. So the farther south you go, the earlier your season starts to be, begin but also the earlier it ends even if you have good weather um you know uh, uh and 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 this is this is due to the fact that cannabis is mostly you know flowered uh by light cycle night cycle night cycle specifically and i found that most cannabis will flower at under 14 and a half hours of um of of light i you know, you uh, you get under that, and most of the modern cannabis will will flower. Now, I know there's some people out there that are claim all this other stuff about photo period cannabis, but I've just been growing this stuff my whole life. Um, you know, uh, it, it's there is absolutely a critical nightlife for every string single strain, and then there's also a series of. Uh, stressful or or events that can also cause the plant to go into flower when it's around that critical nightlight. For instance, if you're in a one-gallon pot and you've got a four-foot-tall plant and it's, you know, in early July here, it will probably flower. Um, I would even say in late June, it will probably flower due to stress factors of being in that root-bound small pot and the light cycle's changing. It's right there on the cusp, right? Uh, mostly what we're seeing here in Oklahoma is that you can plant outside two to four weeks earlier than, you know, we would have in Northern California. Um, and that uh, also the plants are coming out two to four weeks earlier in the fall time. 
Um, there's tremendous advantages to all of this. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, there's no canopy size, no plant size. You just get your limit and go under your regulations of, of security and fencing. Um, and you can grow as many plants as you want. So, you know, the idea is I'm going to grow these huge 5, 10-pound plants. You know, one, it's really unrealistic here in Oklahoma. Uh, and, and honestly, in other places, you know, it, it's just such a pain in the ass to grow those big plants. Um, that uh, uh, small plants are definitely the way to go here. Uh, I, I would... Uh, I would bet the the quarter half the quarter and a half pound plants the the one pound plants are probably perfect for for this environment. You know, it, it's so nice here early in the spring that that so many people want to put clones and plants out. I mean, we had our first harvest of tomatoes in first of April before April, before April twentieth. We were eating tomatoes and cabbage and chard and onions and. I mean, you know, it's we started growing in February here, uh, our vegetable garden. But that light cycle is just off. But it does offer you an opportunity in the early spring to uh, just put plants out and flower them immediately without them growing. You get a sea of green outside. Uh, you don't have to tarp it, you know, with the natural light cycle. And in many strains, uh, you can force flower by just vegging them under 24 four hours of light and then putting them outside in that early spring, you know, I, I would, I would suggest March is probably the best months for this. Uh, and some strains just won't work, but you know, we've seen like, you know, several strains just start flowering and not stop here. And of course those are probably bad also for full season plant production here in, in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, the, the other real limiting factors here that's been brought up is the pest pressure. And, I mean, the pest pressure is pretty pretty strong here, but it's, it's not undoable uh, for outdoor cultivation and, and for indoor cultivation. But for outdoor cultivation, you've got a, 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 a series of pests that want to devour your plants every day. Um, I mean... There's rabbits and rats and deer and mice and grasshoppers and looper worms, cabbage worms, tomato hookworms, tomato worms, garden worms. I mean, these guys are so destructive. It's unreal. Uh, there's definitely, you know, powdery mildew. Um uh, and, and, you know, botrytis as well. Like, you know, there is, it is more humid down here. You get those big buds and those big dense buds and the botrytis likes to grow inside them. Uh, so there's, there's a numerous problems, numerous problems, but man, all of those things I just mentioned are really, you can control them. Uh, uh, you know, numerous, uh, biological products you can get at cultivatecolorado.com, um, you know, you can get cultivate OKC or go to your local supply store. Uh, Dipel is uh, you know a BT product. Almost any BT product I think works. Dipel is considered like the commercial one. It's what people use for you know corn and whatnot. And, um, we mix it at a really strong rate, far stronger than they call for it. I don't think you can overdo it with the Dipel. 
because uh, you are just you know colonizing a, a you know the bacillus bacillus thuringiensis i think is is the bt so uh, the more you spray the the more volume that you put in per gallon just in my opinion increases your uh, you know your your ability for for the bt to grow on the plant you know you've really got to get this stuff on early too uh, you know, you really want to get it growing on the stem, you know, uh, early on the plant's growth. You, you, you want to make sure that it's on that first little bitty flower that comes out in pre-flower. I would suggest like, you know, making sure you got a really good colonization started a week or two before flower is great, great, great strategy. You can hear the wildness here, huh? Man, lots of bugs. You hear them? Grasshoppers, they've, they haven't been terrible much of a problem for us, but grasshoppers will also eat all the leaves off your plants. They are locusts. Um, you know, we, we try to do a lot of mechanical control for IPM. Um, we, uh, we, we make sure all the grass is cut. We till as much of the ground. We disc as much of the ground uh, around our outdoor gardens as we can. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we do these, these organic preventative sprays and it, it, it really, it really does help. And they're also like the things that you can use that, you know, that aren't harmful, that, you know, don't uh, show up in the end use cannabis product. Uh, you have to do them preventatively though. You can't just start seeing the problem in spraying and it'll never work. Um, you know, that goes for powdery mildew. We, we, we suggest people spray regalia for that and just start your plants off young and, and you won't have a problem. If you see it, then you're going to be battling it. And that's, you know, that's just how it goes. Uh, you know, every state's different on what pesticide products they can use or pest control measures they can use. Oklahoma's, mm, it's uh, actually, it's, it's a uh, it's pretty strict when you actually look at the letter of the law or talk to the Department of Agriculture, but just the way they test for it isn't 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 strict enough. So um, it allows for lots of variation and a lot of variables. You know, people have all kinds of strategies on how to use certain pest control measures that won't test in their end test, and I don't suggest or advocate any of that. Just you know, try to follow the law and have a proper uh, um, integrated pest management program, which always includes these elements. Mechanical, well, identification. One, you got to identify what you got, okay? Uh, and it, it's not that hard. You know, you don't have to, like, get to the encyclopedia. You just Google it. You got a thought about it. More than likely, if it's a soft-bodied insect, you can, you know, treat it all the same way. If it's a hard-bodied insect, you treat it kind of all the same way. Uh, you know, we like the uh, uh, biological controls. Um, uh, you know, I, I won't even get into the pronunciation of everything. Uh, but uh, Botanicard um, and, uh, Dipel are some of our favorites. You can get all these at cultivatecolorado.com online. Just look us up, give us a call, cultivate Colorado, cultivate OKC. Just walk into the store and say, Hey, Chip said, I need to come and get some Dipel cause I'm going to have worms 
growing out of my buds here in the next month. Can you help me out? And Chris will say, oh, yeah, bro. I got packets of Dipel right over here. Um, we'll be glad to help you out, show you how to spray it appropriately. And um, But right now is absolutely the time to get on that Dipel uh, and get on your biological controls for your flower production. I can't say it enough, man. Do preventative measures. Um, uh, and the best preventative measure is identification. Walk through your gardens. Look. If you think you got a problem, look at it. Don't overanalyze it, but but think about it and then say, hey, man, I do have a problem here, and I need to control it. And then use the, identify the proper controls. We always suggest mechanical, and that is absolutely the number one thing to do. If you have one plant that's riddled with infestation of something, just kill the plant and get it out man as, as soon as you see a leaf or a plant that has bugs like man start thinking about it now now now, now i'm not saying go chop your garden down even though i have more than once and i just recently did it too you can easily control you know outbreaks of many different types of pests with just removing the worst plants in your garden, trimming back all the leaves of uh, the infected areas of the other plants. One, it reduces the overall surface area so that when you do do some sort of biological control, then, you know, you you, you have less surface area to spray. Um, and, and, and then lastly, it's the biological controls. Now, whether what method you use to kill the bugs, it's all, uh, you know, um, you're all just trying to disturb their biology or, or disrupt their life cycle. Um, I suggest uh, trying to stick to um, all organic methods um, or methods involving uh, bacterias or, or other molds to combat um, uh, the problems. Uh, you know, other things that many people use are um, H2O2, uh, where, where botrytis or powdery mildew are concerned, um, you know, uh, uh, with a direct spray, uh, a spot spray directly on the affected area, it works excellent. I don't suggest dipping your plants in it after you harvest it. It just harms the color, the look, the taste, all of it. I mean, H2O2 is caustic, and you can see it when you put it on your skin. It turns it white. It does the same thing to your nuggets, except it just turns them brown. So if you need, if you're concerned about botrytis, man, it's actually better to spray the plants down a few days before you harvest it. Let it dry completely in the plant, like absorb it. Far better off doing that. Um, so identification, mechanical and biological controls, that's how you deal with almost any pests. Uh, you know, if you have any questions, you can always call us up at Cultivate, Cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC. Um, you know, chat with us online, ask online, you know, join our Facebook group and we'd, we'd be glad to help you. Oh man, Oklahoma is windy. Oh yeah, it's windy here. It It's windy here in Oklahoma. Now some places aren't as windy as others. But those places have the humidity. So if you want the lower humidity, then you're going to have to suffer through a little bit of uh, wind. And, you know, I, I picked kind of a ridge location for our farm um, specifically because we came through here when it was flooding last year. And, and 
you know, all the places that weren't flooding, well, those are probably going to be pretty play- good places. And the place we got, the farm we got, it's real, real good farm. Um, but it is, it is a little windy. Not as windy as others. Not as windy as being on the, the south or on the plains out there uh, west of Oklahoma. Um, but uh, the wind is definitely an issue. Uh, you definitely have to stake up your plants, stake up your pots, make sure you, you, you really double tie down your greenhouses. Like, you really have to go through effort. You're more of a mariner here, I think, with all the wind and the, the rope and the knots and the, like, bracing than, than you are a farmer almost. Um, the things we've done to combat the wind, greenhouses, shade houses, uh, big plants in front of small plants, a uh, 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 perimeter fencing, um, using tree lines to break the, the wind. Like, you know, we've taken a number, number of strategies to make this work, and, and, and it has to some degree. But, man, you know, the, the, when, when it's 114 degrees and that wind picks up, wow, you better be on your irrigation, man, because it will melt some plants. <laughs> Straight up melt them. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, definitely a difficulty to overcome, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it is, it, it's part of the game and every place you go has its own set of rules or its own circumstances. And here in Oklahoma, there is, uh, the wind and the heat is definitely two of the major ones. That's for sure. But Hey man, people have been breaking wind. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> people have been disturbing wind flow using wind blocks of some sort for for you know for millennia um well you know the other problem we've had here in Oklahoma is is in is getting good employees man getting good people that can uh that can work you know we came here uh last year and man there was only a, a handful of uh cannabis people here to begin with, uh, most of the people here are new to cannabis. Um, you know, some of them, they just, you know, don't know if they want to be in it or can do it. And we've had a little bit of a problem finding employees. So, Hey, if you're in Oklahoma, if you are fit and willing to work outside in a greenhouse, uh, outdoor environment, um, man, Hey, you know, drop us a line, man. Um, you can, uh, email me at chip at chipbaker.com and, uh, we've been taking resumes and applications for, for a moment, but we're really looking for some good people, uh, that want to, want to, uh, uh, learn about the operation, work up and, and, and stay with us for, for a number of years. That's generally how we do all of our operations. Cultivate Colorado. I got people to work with me for 10 years. Cultivate OKC. I mean, Chris has worked for me for more than with me for more than ten years. Uh, uh, over at Royal Gold, Chris helped me develop all the product lines there. Helped me source all the raw materials there. He handled all the testing, um, and now he's he's the manager at uh, Cultivate OKC. Uh, so uh, yeah, if you're interested in employment, if you're interested in being part of a great team, just drop me an email, Chip at ChipBaker.com. I am specifically looking for hard workers, people uh, 
with backgrounds in mechanics and electrical and construction and irrigation and farming, 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 uh, vegetable farming. Um, yeah, give me a call if you're interested, man. We're, we're good people and we want to bring some great people on. Well, that's about it for today's Real Dirt Sunday edition. It's uh, sun's starting to come out now. We had a nice fog layer this morning, so it's getting hot here on the porch. You know, you've heard all the birds and the roosters and other insects in the background. A little piece of Oklahoma. If you like this episode and others, please download and subscribe. Go to iTunes right now. Look up The Real Dirt Podcast and subscribe. Hey, I want you to check out all of my websites. If you're interested in cocoa fiber, man, growerscoco.com, growersoil.com. We make this stuff in Colorado. It's the highest quality cocoa fiber potting soil on the planet. I put my, my heart and soul and wallet behind that statement. Uh, uh, we It's all made inside. It, treat it like a, a bakery. Everything's broken out and manufactured in one day and packaged up at the end of the, the, the chance for cross-contamination and bugs is almost minimal. I mean, it is, it is, it is fresh, fresher than a hostess pie when you get it, that's for sure. Uh, cultivate Colorado, Cultivate OKC, CultivateGardenSupply.com, CultivateColorado.com. Uh, you can order anything you wish for your hydroponic, uh, indoor, outdoor garden, uh, local deliveries throughout Colorado and Oklahoma, commercial deliveries throughout the known world. Uh, for instance, man, we just had a uh, deal going on in like Malawi or someplace like that. And, uh, you know, everybody was a little nervous about it. But, yeah, we got a good shipment of stuff shipped over there and helping some uh, hemp farmers get started, man. Um, hey, I also wanted you to check out my new project, the Greener Consulting Group. Uh, I have developed a uh, consulting group, the Greener Group. It is a accumulation or it is a team of uh, the top experts in the industry and we can solve anyone's problem. If you're having, if you're going into the cannabis industry, man, you should really think about talking to us about a two-day deep dive if uh, you're in the cannabis industry and you're having some problems, you know, with it doesn't matter if it's banking or IPM or, or hiring or I've got an expert that can help you out. And uh, it's really, really, really reasonable. Uh, you'll you'll learn more in a day spent with us than you will five, ten years failing at it on your own. So. A great place to stop, Growers Group, growersconsultinggroup.com. Of course, I've got to mention bakersmedical.com. That's our Oklahoma dispensary and cannabis operations where we operate a clone nursery, a commercial clone nursery, and a dispensary. Uh, The dispensary's been closed for a minute, but opens soon. Hey, I want to thank everyone for listening. Appreciate all your help and support. Uh, we'll get a couple more of these uh, porch episodes going and and, and maybe uh, get some more real dirt on some more stuff. Real dirt. Real dirt.